Welcome to another episode of the Strength Connection podcast. Today I am joined by all three of the coaches that I have the pleasure of knowing and uh, also uh, with a mic- mic'd up Nick Garcia, um, which he will sound very different today, uh, but it's, uh, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, I'm sure myself and uh, Nick and, well, uh, all of us here, we, we just want to promote the right education to as many people out there as possible, uh, but also at the same time uh, for them to sort of know what we talk about as coaches. Uh, one thing that I certainly wanted to know today uh, was the relationship between the FNC side of things and the physio side of things. So Josh, obviously, being uh, head academy physio at QPR, and Joel, uh, if you haven't already listened to his podcast, is the lead sports scientist at a Millwall Football Club. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be good to obviously know what's going on. Uh, we had a little bit of a brief snippet before we started uh, this podcast. But, um, yeah, Joel, so uh, welcome to to you. And, uh, well, welcome to, to you, Josh, and welcome to Nick. And, uh, yeah, how, how's, how's your week been? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, my, my week's been good so far. Um, uh, been quite busy, um, I guess, over the, over the weekend. Uh, I think personally, I just had to get a few things sorted, um, sort of at, at home with, uh, with sort of people moving in over my own place. But, but, um, but sort of work-wise, it's been, it's been really good. Within the sort of, I think, based off the, the last conversation we had, um, I sort of spoke a bit more about some of the feedback that we were getting from, from our players and some of the implementation that we had in regards to sort of giving out questionnaires and, and sort of designing and, and sort of, yeah, I guess, finding new direction from our programming during this period of time from the feedback of that questionnaireing. Um, it's sort of taken a bit more shape now uh, as we kind of get more information from the government as to sort of more of a steer really on how things are going. Um, from the last time we spoke, uh, there was a change in the EFL stance in regards to um, when competition would be back in place. Um, and now that's turned into an indefinite period of time instead of a sort of targeted area. Um, so that's changed things quite quite considerably from up from our end in some ways, but in other ways it was sort of something that we'd, all, we'd already seen coming. Um, so, yeah, it's just been, been fun sort of playing around really with a few ideas and, again, looking at you know, ways that we can sort of mix art and science and try and find cool ways to... Uh, to um, sort of engage the uh, the players that we uh, we have at our disposal. Yeah. And are you finding that same thing as well, Josh? With obviously what you're doing, I know obviously the indefinite side of things is is changing how people are looking at um, the rehabilitation side of things, but also with the preparational aspects. Yeah, like listen, like like everyone, this is a novel a novel experience. Uh, so a lot of the stuff is going to be a lot of trial and error, um, seeing what what works best, uh, seeing what well, seeing number one which players engage the most um, in terms of rehab, um, and then seeing also what myself as a physio um, can do um, from using stuff like Zoom, um, WhatsApp calls, FaceTime. Um, it is a it is an experience trying to assess someone over over a video call um, without actually getting hands-on with them. But listen, it's, it's, it's an experience um, um, and it's something for, for, for us to learn to learn from. 
It's big. Uh, I know when speaking to you the other day, uh, well, with the, with the future podcasters coming out, um, we're just trying to identify different methods that are helping people to understand their own training because a lot of what, what we're doing looking for a screen uh, is, is we've lost that manual aspects. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's been able to, to open up a door to a different way of training. Uh, Nick and myself uh, are very comfortable with that uh, in terms of working with the general public and, and also working with performance athletes as well, that we're seeing both sides of it. So we've been able to, to have that already. But for yeah. you guys, obviously, at the pro level, you've had so much manual interaction um, with obviously going to training grounds, going to um, different conferences and stuff. Is, is, is it becoming... I think this is a question really that I need to ask Nick. Do you think that the, the pro guys are as well equipped as we are or not? I don't know. See, I feel like they... I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know, Joel. How like I, I would I would love to know sort of from these two guys' perspective, um, Joel and Josh. Sort of, at what point did you guys start prepping for this? Like, I mean, you said you for like you guys have already anticipated that the league is going to indefinitely be postponed, right, or, or put on hold. Yeah. At what point did you guys start making plans and, and put stuff in place for your players? For, for, for this sort of thing. Yeah. I think from our, from our perspective, our last game was Nottingham Forest away on I think it was the 5th or the 6th of March when it was kind of around that period where things kind of shot off in terms of uh, the pandemic in, in this part of the world anyway. Um, and we had a bit of a forewarning of this because uh, it came out on – we played on the Friday night. On the Monday, we found out that the – uh, Nottingham Forest chairman had contracted coronavirus. So I think around the club, from our perspective, it was it, it, we were made very aware of it, um, particularly from sort of uh, external staff members that, that were visiting Forest for the weekend and stuff and could have had interactions. So um, the club took a, a, you know, a, a quite a sort of swift stance on on sort of what our plans and I think that sort of stemmed down to, to, um, to performance staff and, and what we could, uh, what we could implement in the short term. Cause I think even though we were then to obviously continue on with the rest of the week's training by sort of that, that start of the week where there was not only that came out and then I think Mikel Arteta and that sort of came out sort of around about that Wednesday or Thursday. So leading into that Friday, which was then, the, the, the sort of day where everything got canned essentially for that weekend. Um, we sort of had a, a lead up, even though we were implementing sessions at the training ground throughout the week, we had very much an idea that, you know, there was going to be some isolated training in the next, you know, in the next sort of period. And I think that stemmed from our personal circumstance of being, I guess, in that position. Um, mm. Yeah. But would you guys have like, um, how many players would you guys, if let's say we'd, we'd run the league, this, this coronavirus thing didn't even happen. Let's say in a normal regular season, mm. would, um, would your club have trained any players via Zoom or do any virtual sessions or online sessions like that in a normal, se- on a normal season? Oh, no. I mean, uh, not unless it was most probably an off-season period or a pre-season period or you're in, a, you're in a phase. The only thing I would think of would be if you have a player with an extended period of time rehabbing 
And if they chose for whatever reason to return back to their home country, if there was an extended period right. of time when they were out, um, then I would figure that would, that would probably be an option um, to take. Um, even though that sort of, you know, not necessarily Zoom, it would just be general sort of conversation. But now I think everyone having their own sort of experiences and you know, quite considerable experience with different styles of using the technology that we've kind of been uh, in, you know, the situations kind of demanded that we use these type of technologies. I think it's been you know, it's been a lot easier for us to, to have a sort of a, a kind of collection of what-if scenarios and what, you know, what technology we can use moving forward. And obviously Zoom seems to be the most popular one um, at this stage uh, in, in regards to interacting with people. One thing, one thing that I would <clears throat> commend the football world in doing is adapting very quickly. Um, because like Joe said, at Millwall, they had like a, a sort of uh, heads up, so to speak, to say that there's going to be some sort of isolated training, whereas other clubs, there wouldn't have been a heads up. It would have been that yeah. Friday when they announced that um, the league won't resume until two, what, till about three, four weeks time. That would have been a time when a lot of clubs have been like, all right, cool, there's going to be some isolated training. Um Listen, working in football, you have to adapt. It's, it's ever-changing. You can plan something in the morning um, and by 10 o'clock that morning, the whole plan's changed and you need to um, adapt your day. Uh, so one thing that I would commend the football world is adapting very, very quickly sort of thing. Because uh, even like the programming, initially, obviously, we were told a date that this is when the players are going to come back. But you, you, you sort of program your program to periodise um, their trainer sessions so that they're at a certain point when they come back. Then when that changes and then changes again, um, it, 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 is quite, it is quite difficult from an from a, um, a S&C um, sort, of, sort of side. Obviously, for me as a, as a physio, um, in terms of them changing the period of time, in terms of when I can see the player face to face, it doesn't really affect me as much, sort of thing. Whereas I, I know Joe from a from an S and C side in football, he's obviously trying to plan so that the players are in a, a good condition, mint condition when they come back um, to train. But now that it's been given the indefinite when the, the players are returning. Obviously, there's a, a massive task on, on Joe's hand and obviously myself as a physio in terms of putting a correct program together because what we don't want is to see a lot of adductor injuries when they come back or hip flexor injuries sort of when, when they come back. Yeah, yeah you, look at, you look at what the foundations of periodization are based on. It's, it's on starts and finishes. You know, a starting point and an end point and you work your way back from an end point to a starting point and that's how you periodize so you know it's it's very difficult to be able to periodize during a period where you don't have a start and end yeah maybe and, and then maybe that's when you ask that question tom like is it has the transition been easier for people who train general population probably like you you and myself as opposed to people in the snc world who are just uh only training elite athletes who are, like you said, Joel, would typically be in a program or, or in a periodized periodization that would be yeah. all, all mapped out for the whole season and where now they don't, they don't know. They, they have no idea what's going on. Like you don't know what phase you're supposed to be in. You don't know what you're training for, right? You don't know if you're yeah. back to square one. Maybe, maybe, yeah. we, maybe, the, maybe the league doesn't resume and you've got yeah. to go 
100%. But you've got another whole preseason. You don't know what's going on, right? I think so for us, it's going to be easier. Yeah, here's, here's, here's another question then I'm going to pose to, you, but to both of you then. Have you set your own parameters on what you need to work towards? Hmm. Uh, in regards to sort of like across metrics uh, as in like well, distant... This is the thing is that you... Variables you see, like that or? Yeah, you've got, you've got right now where you don't know what mm. obviously is going to happen. So mm. do you have your own metrics and own plan of how you're going to work being during this time or are you just basically just running a completely blinkers on I don't know what's in front of me let's just roll with it yeah well I mean we've been giving we've been given ballparks and it's happened a couple of times now it's been pushed back from one period of time initially it was sort of mid April and then it was to sort of start of my start of May and now it's been obviously an indefinite period of time so particularly in those those sort of those initial periods I mean you had I've spoken to people from other clubs that decided to give players complete time off during that period I speak in this play that you know the people at clubs that decided to sort of give a, a maintenance style approach to to what their current loads were yeah. and obviously the benefit is that you have that historical data throughout the season that you've collected um, and you can work off that but I think when you don't have an endpoint and you don't really have a uh I guess, like we talked about before, in, in terms of periodizing how you're going to go about your training, I think you can look at your average loads and you can look at, you know, clip, you know just basic styles of periodization, linear undulate, whatever, whatever way you want to go about it. I think as long as can you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, I think as long as you can justify that they're going to be, you know, maintaining a certain level of fitness because you can't just you know, wipe it off completely at this stage. It's indefinite, but there is a view to then come back in. My guess is that when we do come back in, we're going to come to, and if something does sort of, you know, then come back in, in in terms of the in in the in the uh, in the sense of um, fixtures, I think it's going to be thick and fast games. I think we're going to be averaging two to three games a week, um, at least. Um, just to get the rest of the, the get the rest of the uh, the fixtures finished off, because I think they'll have if it gets to a point where it's that late into the summer, they're going to have to make that decision, and that's going to be a tough decision to. You know, it's not going to be not only from their perspective, they're going to have to talk to clubs and and even you know PFA and stuff like that, because you know you got players that this is their livelihood, and they, you know they're going to they're going to be put or exposed to that sort of you know, those, those extreme loads in, in such a small small period of time. This is all hypothetical, of course, but you know they could it could well happen. And is that going to be this? Is that the same sort of principles across there at QPR, Josh, or have they they kind of left it to you, to your own devices? Yeah, so obviously you 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 plan probably like a six a six week sort of block. Like one thing that we do know is that. Yes, it is indefinite, um, but when they do say it's not going to be a Friday, say everyone's back in on Monday sort of thing, there will be probably like a two-week sort of notice period. Or I would say I would like to think at least a minimum of a week um, in terms of this is when we're going to be back. Um, obviously, you plan, plan, plan as if you're going to be off. Um, and then when they do say, all right, cool, we're coming back in two weeks' time, then you can sort of taper the training as to, as to, um, as to what you want to do and what, you, what physical outcomes you want to get, get from the players sort of thing. Um, I think that's going to be important. And I think when the players do even come back, there is going to have to be some sort of pre-season um, 
because the players have been off. Yes, they are doing some some running. Um, we've put in some technical and technical ball work elements into our programs, but it's not going to be the same as as, yeah. as, as training. Yeah. You can't rep- you can't replicate team championship training. It's 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 near on impossible to do in isolated yeah. situations. So so then, can I ask then? Right. So like, then you guys agree with that? If they were, let's say, this is hypothetical. Let's say, all right, we're going to come out of uh, we're going to come out of isolation um, or out of this lockdown in two weeks' time. So they give you two weeks, right? This whole time, this whole time we've been off. You guys have just said that the loads of those the players have been under right now have been nowhere near the loads and the training that they've needed to be in for normal season play, right? So what happens then? What do you guys program from a physio standpoint, and SSE standpoint? When we come back now, after this period, like what do you do then in the lead up? How how do you make sure that they're that they're ready then uh, to to take on those loads straight away? like going in because I'm assuming the league will resume as soon as possible, right? Like if they give the go, if let's say Boris comes out and says two weeks time, we're going, we're going back where we're, we're going back to normal. The league will say, all right, cool. Then games are back on in two weeks. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I think there'd probably be a, a two week period and then there would be two week for another two week period. So there'd be a, a give, yeah. you're gonna, effectively you got four months, you know, you got four weeks to work towards weeks, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when we talk about, yeah, obviously there'd be a drop off in, in players' loads throughout these like particularly these last three weeks. You are talking about mitigating any any potential serious drop off. I mean, uh, you know, from our point of view, we're we're still hitting pretty decent metrics across each of or pretty decent targets across each of each of our metrics that we need to hit. So, you know, uh, we know for instance that our players are sprinting each week and they're running aerobic endurance each week and they're working on intensive work each week. But it's just making sure that you don't fall out of that mitigation zone where you're putting more risk if there is then a situation where you're coming back in the training. So it's really just monitoring and, and trying to get through that kind of that, that width of, of sort of, you know, if you fall out of that, then it's, it's not really going to, it's not really going to help them or yeah, it's not really going to help you in your practice. And obviously the other part that Josh will be able to touch on a bit more is, you know, working towards individual strength qualities, whether, you know, for, for those kind of areas that are going to be, you know, put at most risk, risk like, you know, adductors, hamstrings and, and those ones yeah. that are, currently you know, always placed under under strain when they're when they're in full team training that's the thing one thing there that, that you mentioned really really big subject at the moment uh, especially in, not in professional football uh, but in all sports josh how how would you mitigate any risk right now because there's gonna be a lot of them associated with it as you want to obviously prevent people from coming back with hip flexor issues and and lower back issues uh, and also from that, from an aerobic capacity, people's aerobic capacities are going to drop off as well. How, how are you, what, what do you put in place? <laughs> oh, so, so, so for me, as, as a physio, is working with um, the, the sports scientists as, as much as possible. So like, like Joe said, there is aerobic stuff, there is some intensive stuff, there's some extensive stuff in the program. The boys are getting their high speed running, they're getting their max speed work, Axel D-cell focus, and that's, that's the best way we can, we can do it, uh, sort of thing, working with um, trying to trying to make sure that the loads are similar to what they're getting um, in a training environment. Obviously, it's not going to be 
the same, exactly the same as a as a as a training session, but we can try and get as 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 close as possible. Um, and I think for us um, as as support staff is that when we do go back, is communicating with the coaches early and effectively in terms of what the training sessions should con, con, consist of. I think coaches are going to need us the most now in terms of when it comes to actually returning back um, to to training. Now, listen, you're good. Listen, there's no no word of doubt that you're going to get some some injuries here and there, and it probably be throughout majority of clubs they're going to get some some injuries here and there. But it's about reducing them injuries, and I think the best way of reducing them injuries is going to be communication with the coaches, because the coaches are going to want to listen. They've been off. The coaches they. They love coaching. They love it, sort of thing, uh, which is good. You want coaches who are passionate. But at the same time, we need to educate the coaches to understand that there is going to be an increased risk. This is not a pre-season period, so there's going to be a massive increase, increased risk. And like Joe said, there's probably going to be a, a, a two-three game a two, three game week consecutively, um, which mimics the, the Christmas period. But then, what you have to what you have to take into consideration is that the Christmas period, the boys have already been training for five six months already, whereas now they haven't been training for five six months. In terms of actual physical training sessions, they're probably only going to have two three weeks before they actually go into them them periods of periods of games. So was, I think the key is going to be that that communication with the coaches um, and advising it. And listen for every single sports scientist physio in the country in the world it is going to be a very novel thing what we know is periodize the season how we periodize it in terms of training off season pre-season we know that um but there isn't a textbooks or research out there to say if there's a pandemic i think a good thing is is for us as physios and sports scientists to come together with other physios and sports scientists from other clubs and communicate, all right, cool, what are you guys doing in terms of how are we going to integrate these players back um, uh, back to training safely and effectively? So there's a lot, there's, there's so much going on right now. And um, yeah, we, we haven't obviously planned for, for something like this. And like you say, there's no textbook that says, look, follow this step-by-step guide to to avoid a pandemic, but yeah. I'm sure being that we're going through one right now, I think someone's already drawing up a, a 3,000 page textbook, which, which could obviously help people in the future or yeah. history classes in the year seven, uh, year <laughs> seven school. So um, we can see, see that crop up in the future uh, and yeah. for, for times to come ahead. But um, now, now, obviously, the, the the support staff are obviously left to, to working with the players directly. Do you think that uh, one area that we touched on, um, Josh, was the importance of having the parental buy-in, yeah. parent buy-ins? Um, but um, from that other perspective as well, um, Joel, have you had a... Uh, a chat with the players and obviously with them because they've got families. Uh, I'm assuming obviously that they need to have everyone on board knowing what they're going through. Obviously they want to support their family, but I'm now moving to the mental side of things. Now, has it has it had a big impact on the players mentally or are they 
learning to adapt to it? Um, I think uh, probably from uh, from a senior player point of view, I think it's quite a, it's quite a mix. I mean, we got some some guys that have young families. We got some guys that that don't have family. You know, they don't have they don't have younger kids. You know, we have some guys that uh, are thrilled to see and and having you know having spent more time with their kids over the last few weeks. And we have some some guys that you know want to want to kill their kids so it's um it's you know it's, it's an interesting dynamic between that and obviously we, we look after some 23s as well and that's probably in that same boat of of some of those first team players that that don't have young families and they i mean some of them you know you know like being that they so you know, they spend a little bit of time away from from their family down here in london um throughout throughout the uh, throughout the youth season and it's it's a nice sort of change of scenery to go back up and, and work on their uh, work on what they need to work on up near their family and their support network. Um, so I think across the board, it's you know, it's quite it's quite sort of varied. Um, it's probably just like life itself, really. It's you know, you have some good days, you have some bad days, you have some days where you're just sick of everyone and you just want to be alone, but you can't do that because you're all self isolating together or whatever your case may be. So um, yeah, I think. Just, just offering that that support that you, know, you, you you sort of have your systems and processes built around you know the the club as a support network, and you can you can um, you, know, you can enforce any sort of action you want uh, in regards to sort of support for individuals that need it, and um, yeah, and those that um, you know, those that just want to have a chat about something. You know, we we're, we're very, you know, from our point of view, we're very, very we're, we've always been very open about that. Um, just about generally having a chat. It's just the same as it was um, prior to, to to this pandemic as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's um, yeah, it's quite varied across each individual at the moment. Awesome. And is that the same? Uh, that be I'm assuming that would be the same then across, uh, uh, well, across the other side of London. <laughs> um, are they are they pretty responsive in terms of the players reaching out to you? Or are they are they trying to just manage things themselves? No, the the players are pretty responsive. Um, one thing that I know about football players is that they like structure, um, and you communicate what well, us as a as a sports science and medicine department, us communicating with them and giving them that structure. They they like it sort of thing. Um, players are the first to know if what well, they'll be the first to notice if something is different in their day they'll be the first to notice and the first to comment on it. Even if it's different by, I don't know, the the footballs were turned a certain way. <laughs> something, something like that. Um you'll be you'll you'll be surprised. They notice they notice everything. But I think they've been they've been keen to engage. Um this is for from yeah, this is from from an academy perspective, twenty threes downwards, um, they've been keen to engage in the the plans and the um, the plans that we've given them, um, and they're responding. They're responding back. They're responding back well, which is which is good. Um, a lot of them, obviously, that the, some of them, especially in the twenty threes, may may have younger kids. Um, some may be staying at home with their with their family. Um, some may be staying at home by themselves with their misses. So it's just diff- different dynamics when it comes to talking about the mental, the mental sides, the mental sides of things. I think that, yeah, that answers, that answers a lot, a lot there. Um, one thing I wanted to, to, to touch on as well was, um, Joel, you've been in different locations around the world in terms of coaching. Uh, and uh, I was very intrigued to, to sort of 
get your opinion on this, and I think um, mm. Nick will agree with me as well. But um, do you think the the coaching over here is any different to anywhere that you go around the world? And how how does it differ if it differs? Mm. Are you sort of like general terms, as in the like sort of the act of coaching, or is it more sort of technical based or sort of S and C based? Experience in in your roles, because I know you've seen you, you worked over. In yeah, you worked over. Uh, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, uh, I was I was in India for about a year and a half, and I was um, you know, fortunate to work under a very experienced English manager um, in Stephen Constantine, and he, um, I think that was his fifth or sixth national team across five different continents at that point. Um, so he's by far one of the most travelled managers in, in world football or international football. Um, so with that experience came his own experiences that he was able to draw upon to me. Um, so you know, in, in regards to sort of, I mean, I've found it, I've found a lot, I've learned a lot of lessons from adapting to, to different cultures from him. But I think in, in regards to his coaching style, I mean, he, he went through the English system as, as a youth, as a youth coach over here and, and sort of was brought up in that, in that sort of, you know, working through from first team to an assistant manager capacity and, and then branched off to, to, to coach in international football. Um, so I think a lot of his traits are quite similar to some of those that uh, I work with day to day at Millwall. So it's uh, no, not much of a, not much of a difference from, from that perspective um, in regards to, I know it's no secret that Millwall's a very kind of blue collar, you see what you get kind of club. Um, and it was sort of a, a, I would say a similar kind of approach that he, that he took um, uh, with, with his work as well. So um I think with regards to some of the local coaches that were surrounding um, the national team at that time, uh, again, a development process for a country that's developing as a football nation. Um, so they have a lot of influence from Europe um, with coaches coming over and, and putting on courses and, and sort of working on coach development and things like that in that region of the world. So not necessarily trying to put a blueprint on this is what kind of coach or this is how we're going to develop our coaches, whether that's technical, whether that's SNC related, whether that's practitioners in the medical fields or which way, whichever way you sort of look at it. I think you're always going to get in, in those sort of countries where there's limitations in terms of education providers for sports scientists for SNCs, you, you're usually going to find yourself in a situation that you're going to bring in specialists or people that uh, have, you know, have that kind of that, that skill related background from different, from different countries that do have that already instilled in their, in their environment and their, uh, you know, in their, in their, their education schemes. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's no, it's no sort of real, real difference in that respect. Um, but I think, yeah, again, like it's, yeah, you have developing countries like that, that, that will always, um, outsource and you, you sort of see that eventually you know it's gonna it's gonna come through and and you know hopefully be um uh, a benefit for them moving forward um so yeah it'll obviously slow things down in this in this time period but um we can sure to say that things when they do resume they'll obviously start to pick back up again which is uh which is going to be a great great thing obviously for football because you guys are um are probably sitting there twiddling your thumbs thinking I can go out in the park for an hour a day and uh, probably going to end up losing your touch um, on how to kick a ball. 
Um, so um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I've, I've, I've still been made a, making a fool of myself, making videos for my players, demonstrating some drills that would have been drawn up. So <laughs> got to get out of the house somehow. I'm going to start laughing at myself and people laughing at me in public. I don't care. <laughs> uh, well, you're not going to beat any defenders then, are you? Nah, exactly. I'll just get tackled by my phone roller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, yeah, Nick, anything else that, that you want to add to that? Yeah, look, I just thought about it. I thought, a great, I thought of a great way to uh, Joel and Josh to keep your players focused during this time. I think this is something you could definitely implement into the club, right? So I don't know if you've played a small game called FIFA, but um, <laughs> you get your players onto FIFA, then your coach, the head coach, can implement a formation into the club each player can start to play their player in that formation that specific player then they will be able to practice the formation being played out this is the way we're going to keep them focused this is the way we're going to keep them in the game involved with the team how long have you been thinking about this I literally took. I thought. I thought about it three minutes ago, and that's just all I've gotten. That's as far as I've gotten. I'm gonna jot down some notes later on my phone and then send them to you. This could turn into this could turn into a movement, mate. Yeah, no. I told you, mate. You should have brought me to Millwall. Bring me over. I can suck. I could be a good help. (laughs) Yeah, man. You create yoga still. Oh, God. Will they put you in planning and strategy? There you go, Nick Garcia, planning and strategy. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but, but to, be, to be honest, it's honestly good to have that chat with you guys because um, I think just even from like a uh, – from a, like um, – a like a consumer or or just someone watching the game and just admiring the sport it's it's good to hear from you guys sort of how how you're um how you're programming what you're doing with the players how you're keeping them and fit because um yeah i think everybody's asking questions aren't they the, the, the people are freaking out people are scared as to what's going to happen when we come back like the, the people who really love the game and the sport mm-hmm. they're, trying, they're, they're they're worried as to how yeah what, what's gonna what's gonna happen but mm-hmm. it's it's uh it's good to know that that you know you got good good people like yourselves in there that are um, implementing good things for for the players and make sure that they they got their head screwed on. They're doing all the work that they need to for when we come back that they'll, they'll be fit and ready to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tom mentioned it earlier with the with sort of face to face interactions. I mean, that obviously doesn't go just for professional environments. That's also um, yeah, for the for the environments that that you yourself and you uh, and Tom um, trade yourself in. I mean, like in terms of face to face, I know it's an impact for us because we we spend a lot of time face to face with our athletes and our teams. Um, but for you guys with with clients, I mean, is it is it changed um, the interactions that you guys have with, with with yours, whether it's over over online or you know when you can. Uh, obviously following some social distancing laws and that, but I mean, it, has it changed that dynamic within? Cause you're obviously used to seeing people on a day to day basis, just like we are. Um, and that's part of, yeah. part of what we do in our industry as well. So. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I think, I think it's definitely changed very, very much. Um, but I think like what Tom was saying before is something, uh, well, I don't know if every, if, if other um, general pop coaches felt similarly, but I already had a system in place that I could use straight away. My online stuff just came straight away, which was good. Um, uh, but yeah, in terms of like that one-to-one 
interaction, it is tough. I think the hardest, for me, the hardest thing has been when we get into these Zoom calls one-on-one with people, I'm, I'm very good at chatting SHIT. I don't want to swear on this show, but uh, I'm, and I'm, I'm really good at just like, you know, getting, keep bringing good energy, but it's quite tough at this point in time to, to come up with different conversation topics. You know, there's literally only one thing going on right now. You know, you turn on the TV and that's it. You don't watch anything else. You just, that, that, that's all that's going on. So that the hardest thing for me has been trying to divert and just get away from speaking about that so that that's not on people's minds. Cause I feel like us as coaches, general pop or, or S and C, whatever you're doing, you're, you have that certain amount of time to be with that person, that athlete, mm. you you want to get them away thinking like not thinking about this current situation, about this, this problem being so negative. I was talking about this with Tom on, on our first podcast is like trying to switch them and to, to get them to think about positive, whatever it is, something positive and something that is, uh, that they can look forward to that they can plan towards. Um, might be easier with football cause you can be like, Hey guys, we're doing this because it's trying to improve your speed. We're doing this because we're trying to get you stronger X, Y, Z. Um, I think with general pop, that has been the hardest thing for me is like, you train a student, for example, you train a, a student who's got their university studies on hold and they're stuck at home doing nothing. They're not mm. working. They're not doing anything. They, they're not studying. So it's quite a difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something quite hard to break. So I think that's, that for, for me has been the most difficult thing. What do you I've think, Tom? Not, I've not, to be honest, I'm on, I'm on the other side of that. And the reason why I say it is that it's actually been quite easy to be able to divert from that topic. But I think the only reason that I've able, been able to do that is because I've actually got my clients to start looking at their educational advancements themselves. So they actually start preparing themselves for upskilling. So you don't essentially become just a coach to them. You become more of a, a mentor. Um, so for me, especially, uh, I'm looking at educational hubs and the reason why I say that is that a lot of information right now is so much more accessible and the influx of information coming into the industry is going to be even more accessible as well. So your pool of information has just gone from being the size of uh, an iPhone. People are listening to this, but um, uh, you guys can see it. Yeah, size of an iPhone to, to literally the size of a TV in terms of the, the, the spectrum of information that's being put out there right now. So for me, I'm, I'm hugely big on education and I think that that's uh, a big, big thing, but also at the same time is actually getting people to start being more in tuned with themselves. Now, what I mean by that is actually creating new methods. So, for instance, if someone wakes up and they haven't got a structure in place, it's actually saying to them, okay, well, look, what do we need to do for you to be able to achieve positive outcomes from your days ahead? Because everyone's going to be sat there looking at the same four walls and they're going to be thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to watch the wall today. Well, okay, you've watched that wall, but then you watch another wall. Is this the same process? Now, I'm trying to instill the, a difference in their routine so it promotes a different outcome. But that's because I want to do that because I know that the people that I work with, they're not going to do that by themselves. So from mine and Nick's perspective, it's a case of installing that um, because there's so many different diverse clients. 
but also at the same time, the ones that we're working with at the higher level uh, is actually saying to them, guys, you need to start coming up with your own exercises that are being encompassed into your training plans. Now, a lot of what I'm doing anyway, uh, obviously online at the moment, I've done no Zoom calls with any of my clients, none. I just pick up the phone, I chat to them on the phone, I get them in a WhatsApp group, and I FaceTime them from time to time. I don't do any instructional videos. Um, the reason why I don't believe in instructional videos is because I find them too generic. What we need to do here is we need to get the individual to then understand what works best for them. So then we start adapting the modalities to that. Uh, and that, that's what I'm trying to do from my point of view. So uh, it, it's very, very easy with the platform I use anyway, uh, as, you, as you guys know. Uh, so for me to be able to do that and get them on all of their different social media streams, because I know what every single one of them are doing because they're looking at their phone 24 hours a day. Um, yeah. Josh, you've got that with every every one of the one of the youth players is oh what are we doing today oh yeah let's look at Instagram um, <laughs> but it's the same across the board all of us yeah. um, so what's the best way to do that is to get education in the right place and then provide that singular hub so that people can come to it to then be able to say look guys we're going to educate you this is a perfect time for it and and that's what I'm doing I think it works really really well for for me. It works well um, because I believe in informative processes to then getting someone to then educate themselves. Um, Nick, would you agree with that or, or what other things would you add to it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think, I think you're, you're spot on there trying to get people to be take a bit more ownership, a bit more responsibility for their own training. I think we can, yeah, it's, it's a perfect time to do that because people now have the time and we know that they're reaching out to find answers because we've seen how many hundreds and thousands of people connecting with, with these free online sessions on Instagram and Facebook and all that. So we know that they're out there looking for people to teach them, people to, to show them the right way and the, the, the right training principles, methodologies for, for, to get what they need. So uh, yeah, I think that the education is, is definitely important and, and, making it so that they can take a bit more ownership and responsibility for it is, is probably the, a good way to go right now. The other thing as well, actually saying that is that a lot of people don't realize is that, that a lot of the ed bigger educational institutes at the moment are actually running free online courses. And, yeah. and it's a massive thing at the moment. Um, I've noticed it that the open university, I'm going to use this as an example, um, yeah. are running a sports psychology and coaching course for free. Now, what better way to have your players and have your um, clients engaged by putting them through something that's going to help them in their discipline? It, it, it's perfect. Um, and I think that that's something that, I don't know, are, are, the, are the teams looking at upskilling or is that, is that being overlooked? Oh, I know for our for our academy boys, 23s and 18s, I think it was the, off the top of my head, I think it was the EFL, um, one of them, they sent um, out a thing, like a little, um, it's, like, it's like a course, you could, so to speak. Um, but it's just for the players to engage in it. It's, it's about um, investing um, and being an entrepreneur. 
sort of thing. So a lot of them, especially when they're young, it's, it's easy to mold. It's easier to mold them and teach them good good practices, um, which I think which I think which I think is good. Some of them will probably look at that and be like, you know what, um, I do want to invest in invest in things. I do want to be an entrepreneur. Um, whilst whilst I play whilst I play um, professional sport, which I think is is important. Are they doing that down at Millwall, Joel, or are they keeping things pretty relaxed? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't sort of speak from from all of the, um, the academy's point of view because we we combine our twenty threes with the first team at the same training ground. So usually there's, I mean, I can't sort of speak to sort of the, some of the um, the interventions they've used at a sort of academy eighteens and down level. I'm sure there's something being implemented um, uh, down there. But I mean, I think from from our point of view, I think it's more so just finding things that stimulate. The, the guys that we work with, um, whether that's um, mainly for the senior players, that's lifestyle-related stuff, so hobbies, um, things that way, because realistically they're not going to be interested in, in going, jumping on sort of open openuniversity.com and looking at different courses. I mean, it could be an option for them, but general feedback that we've gotten from, from them in regards to sort of what they'd like to start in terms of new hobbies and things like that, that's probably on the opposite end of that spectrum um, at this stage, but obviously... Yeah, there's still could be a lot of a lot of uh, time between now and and when we're back into sort of structured training as well. So definitely could be something that uh, to look down sort of in a bit more detail uh, down the line. Um, but I think also in this situation, we got to think of things that you can do for yourself in a from a department point of view. I mean. Um, from 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 our point of view, we've we've sort of had a, a shift in in particular the last couple of weeks, and obviously trying to trying to make use of the time that we have now is usually time that we never have um, when we're when we're day to day, week to week. So, um, for instance, I've enrolled in a couple of online courses over the last couple of weeks, and from a department point of view, we've sort of arrived at a at a point now where every second day we'll have a department member presenting on something that interests them. So having some some time to research something ourselves, whether that's velocity-based training, whether that's plyometric principle, whatever the case may be, rehab, um, and it's just something that interests us. Have a little couple of days to research it, a week if you want, and then present it to each other. And it's just like, you know, it formulates that kind of continued professional development and, and that stuff that you, that you sort of take for granted at times during the season because you simply don't have the time and that you usually kind of save for, for the off-season period or this kind of state, style, of the, uh, this kind of stage of the season where things kind of started to wind down. Um, obviously, it's good now that those external providers like Catapult, Vald, um, saw one the other day, obviously that MDT the other day, that big uh, 12, 24-hour one, um, Steve Barrett um, put on... Um, as well, so I mean, there's there's lots of uh, there's lots of um, you know, you just got to know where to look really, and and keep your eye, you know, keep your ear to the ground, in, in regards to sort of how you can constantly upskill yourself, and obviously what you can use then for for the players that you work with. Yeah, it's 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 amazing what what you can get in terms of information and and how it's actually delivered, because some people like video content, some people like informative written and some people like listening so it's 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 trying to obviously get the right pieces of information to the right people but obviously at the same time making sure that it is doing what it should do which is ultimately helping people to learn um from that then uh we're obviously moving 
forward now, we fast forward a little bit. Uh, we are April, May now. Um, what what do you, do, you, do you do you guys have any idea in your head, or or are you just you're just playing you're just playing the long game in terms of the the indefinite responses that you've had from the um, from the football association? I think I I think it probably won't be until the summer. When when I say summer, I mean probably June, July that we'll be playing any any sport and that's at that's at the earliest sort of thing um and i reckon i reckon initially it'll probably be behind closed doors and then towards the end of the year more september october november that's probably when the fans are going to start coming back in stadiums um because you, you just it's better to be over cautious than it happening again towards the end of the year um, because even when they do let us I say let us out like we're in prison but even when they when they do um, reduce the restrictions um, there's going to be social distancing for, for, for quite a while um, so it's, 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 it's novel for the government as well um, so I reckon they'll be looking at what other countries like China are doing um, I reckon Italy and like Germany well I know Germany um, they're going to start reducing their measures I think mid um, mid this month um, and I know that a couple of their I know that a couple of their football clubs has actually have actually gone back um, but they're going back in, in small groups I know Dortmund have gone back and they train in twos and then Bayern Munich they're training in fives um, at the moment so it'll probably be it'll probably be a similar situation over here in terms of clubs, because um, listen, the changing room is probably the tightest the tightest space, and that's probably where a lot of the boys spend uh, some of their time, sort of thing. So it, it it's novel and it's going to be interesting interesting times. Um, now is the I know it sounds crazy, but now is the the easy bit because we've been told to stay indoors. The hard bit comes when we said when it said you can go out. Um, the social distancing um, and all of that stuff. Any 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 thoughts from you, Nick? What, what what do you see happening from from an outside perspective? I mean, yeah, I, th- I think I I I was news to me about what Germany was doing with their with their lockdown laws. So I mean, it's it's like positive to hear that because. Well, it means that 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 if they start to loosen up what's going on there and and they start to let their players come back, I mean it's positive for us, isn't it? When that would that means that we could start to do that hopefully in in near future. So, um, and I guess them doing it first might be really good for us for them to if they're like I'm going to say like the guinea pigs of it. You know what I mean? Like we get to see how they carry out the process of, of letting their players come back to the club, back to the training and the English clubs can then model their programs and their systems off that. Right. Um, and, and to see what they, what the German clubs do might, might be a good thing for us. It'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting over these, over these coming weeks and months, I think for not only from, from the outsiders, but also from you guys, obviously working on the, on the front line, uh, so to speak, and obviously making sure that the people and the players uh, are safe uh, to obviously return to to their sports and disciplines. Um, 
On a final note then, if you had to say that there was there was one thing really that you think could benefit from um that well that the that people could benefit from right now, what what would you what would you be saying to people? I'll, I'll ask I'll ask you first, Josh, because I think I think you're I think you're thinking very hard there. <laughs> I've been thinking on what to say really. <laughs> Uh, I think the benefit, like like Joel said earlier earlier on, is that we're probably in terms of working in sport and even in general, we're probably touch wood in our lifetime not going to see anything like this again. Um, in terms of working in football, I'm never going to have this much time um, to this much time to work on stuff um, that is not the off season pretty much. Um, so it, it allows me time to develop myself, um, both as a physio, but as a person as well. So people should take this time to, I think we're, we're in a city, because we live in a city, we're in a city that everything should just go, 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 go. Um, whereas this has sort of humbled us in a sense that we can't always be as much as we want to be, go, 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 go. We can't always be, go, 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 go. We've got to take note of the surroundings, the surroundings, that that we're in and then appreciate appreciate stuff even more sort of thing because what we saw as important is now not important um so that's another takeaway message people should focus on the from this people should focus on what is really important um and not lose sight of that Mm -hmm. well from you joe what do what do you think yeah, I think probably from a broad perspective, I mean, human evolution dictates that we adapt to situations. So I think that's been the case for as long as humans have been around and even before then, whoever inhabits this world, I mean, it's got a bit sort of broad here, but you need to be able to adapt to situations and whether that's from, you know, things within your household, things within your life, things within your family, it can be you know, situational things, it can be environmental things, whatever the, whatever the case may be, you need to be able to adapt to it. I think that's key and that's really kind of the, the key message that, that I would give to anyone at home. And Nick, any final, any final thoughts? Anything, yeah, anything um, you're thinking about? Any PlayStation? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you need a FIFA sub on for your teams <laughs> when you start putting the online FIFA stuff for your players... If you need them, if you need like an opponent for them to play against, like I'll give you my FIFA online ID and we can get it going. <laughs> um, Do you even know it? <laughs> I can't even spell FIFA, so no. Um, <laughs> oh, brilliant! Well, look, guys. No, but honestly, honestly, yeah, it was it was, th- it was really really good chatting with you boys. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt, like I said before, really good insight into what's going on at the clubs and and yeah, very reassuring. Um, as a spectator and as as a just a lover of of the sport, that I'm sure not just your clubs, but all the clubs across across the leagues are doing very very like are keeping good measures and and uh, doing everything they can to keep these players fit and and hopefully we, then hopefully we don't see too much change in in the game when we come back. Yeah, not not only fit obviously physically, but fit in the mind as well. I think that's that's probably. Yeah. The other one that is often understated is is the mental impact that situations like these have on people in general. I mean, I've looked in 
um, what little sort of social media I do look over on a day-to-day basis is it's it's swamped with with things that are directly related to to um, awareness of of, um, of mental health and things like that. So, I mean, it's it's a massive thing that I think a lot of people are now aware of and and helping each other out. Um, so it's um, it's great to see people rally together and use the use the social platforms that we have now, and they've been highlighted a bit more now to uh, to sort of you know work on that that part of things as well and that's certainly something from our perspective that we don't look I mean obviously uh, week to week month to month our main perspective is to look firmly at physical preparation for for championship and premier league matches but just as important as the uh is the um psychosocial part of it as well well look guys um really great to, to have us all in uh, uh in conversation here today uh, I think it goes without saying that a lot of people that are that are listening to this uh, will definitely take some positives away from it and can see from both sides of uh, of the, the of the, of the game itself, be it spectator uh, from mine and Nick's point of view to working on obviously the front line with, with yourself, Joel and Josh. Uh, but if there are any questions uh, in terms of any topics that we've spoken about on this podcast, feel free to send us a message at any time. Uh, you can also pop a message over to these guys' Instagram profiles that are attached in the links in the bio. Uh, but other than that, guys, thank you very much for, for coming on this show today. And uh, we'll look forward to, to seeing how things un- unfold. Cheers, thanks, thanks. guys. Cheers. Add me on FIFA. <laughs>